Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I don't have a lot of time to read a lot of books. Because I, I, I got 66 right here. I got to still get these. And oftentimes I think Christians fall into this trap. They're reading a lot of books. They know a lot about this author and what this person said and what that person said. And oh, by the way, oh, they got scripture references in them, Roddy. I mean, they references the scriptures. I mean, they do. They're Christian books. And they're reading all these Christian books, but they're not reading the Bible. And that happens a lot. Please don't do that to yourself. That is a recipe for disaster. You are on a fast track collision course to to crash as a Christian because those books can't sustain you. God's word can sustain you. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm helping myself right now. I don't know. Maybe y'all ain't getting it. (laughs) Man, those books cannot sustain you. They are not a substitute for God's word. Books and commentaries and all of these things, tapes and CDs. Look, I encourage you, please get my CDs. Please get my CDs. Please get my CDs. Did I ask you to get my CDs? That's great. But don't listen to my CDs or my teaching series or anything other media or material. And you're not spending time in God's word. It's so important. Just like these utensils were not equal to the showbread. They were an addition to, but they weren't equal to because the showbread, which represents the living word of God, which represents Jesus himself, was on the table. Those utensils, the pots, the pans, the dishes, the the tongs that they used to pick up the bread because they couldn't just pick up the bread. They had to use instruments to get the bread and to take the bread off the table and replace it with other bread. And the priests, by the way, they were the ones who could eat the bread once the bread was taken off the table. Which was kind of nice because even seven days later, the bread was still hot. So they got nice hot bread, butter. (laughs) Making myself hungry here. But the priests were the only ones who could eat the bread. Isn't that interesting? The world could eat the bread. No other person could eat the bread. Just the priest could eat the bread. You know, just the Bible says we are kings and priests. You know, only Christians can really eat the bread of the word of God. You know, there's only so far you can go as you're talking to non-believers. And that's just to the point of evangelism. You need to get this. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus ascended. Jesus is coming back. And if you want to be saved, there ain't no other way to get to heaven except through him. That's about as far as you can go with a non-believer. You can't give them the word of God, the deep things of the word of God, because they can't really understand it. The natural man understands not the things of the spirit. You understand? And I think what we see in our churches today is is a lot of, you know, uh, 
a lot of the the, the, the proclamation of, and, the, and, and, the, and the teaching of, of God's word is if everybody in the audience is saved and everybody can get it. You know, only God's people can really partake of God's word, of the bread of the word of God. Do you understand? It's huge. We learn all these little things. And, you know, I was talking to a, a brother on email. We we're talking about Jesus in the tabernacle. And he sent me back an email. He said, he said, uh, all of these little pearls that we've been getting, he mentioned. And I thought that's the best way to say it. Because as you study Jesus in the tabernacle, that's what you get. I hope you're getting it. You get this string of pearls, things that we've seen and jewels and coming to life. And things that we're learning, things that we can glean. Things that we can reflect on, you know, just like pearls. So the table attached to the table. Notice we just talked about it. Just read it. Were poles like the ark. Remember? So that it could be mobile. They were to move the table and they weren't able to touch the table. They had to pick the table up with the poles that were attached to the tables carried by the priest. In other words, listen, wherever the people were, the table and the bread was to be there as well. Wherever the people were, the table and the bread, which represents the word of God, was to be with them. Well, here's a pearl for you. Listen, wherever you go, take the Bible. Take the word of God. You know, David said in Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 5, David said, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Listen, wherever you are, if you have the word of God with you, you got a meal. Have you ever thought of that? Wherever you are, you have the Bible with you. You have got a feast before you. Wherever you go, take your Bible. I take my Bible wherever I go. If I go to the gym, my Bible is in my car or in my gym bag because I may get on the elliptical and read it. I don't care if people get offended. That doesn't bother me because they read all kinds of stuff. People magazine and all these other things. And I don't care. I take my Bible wherever I go. Saints, take your Bible wherever you go. I wonder, question, do you? You take your Bible everywhere you go. You, sh- I, you shouldn't be too far from your Bible. You know, it, it's just, it's nice when you just can just grab your Bible. You know, you go into the doctor's office, grab your Bible. You have time to read it. You're waiting in line, take your Bible. You're going to like DMV or something, you're going to be there for 20 hours. You, you might as well get some Bible study in. Somebody say amen. Now, you know, that's right. Good grief. What do they pay those people? I mean, you know. They must not pay them a lot because they just they just take their time. I seen one woman in the line was like way over there. She went on a break. No, you didn't. My break. That's my break time. I I get with y'all. I'm like, okay. You know, if you you know, you're waiting on somebody. Read your Bible. If you're going to be sitting somewhere for some time, we'll leave it at that. Take your Bible. I don't even know where that came from. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I, you know, you know what? I, I'm sure you guys saw this. Check this out. Did you see this? Uh, you probably did. Floating around email, and I love it. 
is cell phone versus the Bible. Have you guys seen that? Wave at me. Look. Okay, only two of us. Okay, well then I should read it. Listen, cell phone versus the Bible. I wonder what would happen if we treated our Bible like we treat our cell phone. What if we carried it around in our purses or pockets? What if we flipped through it several times a day? What if we turned back to go get it if we forgot it? What if we used it to receive messages from the text? What if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to our kids as gifts? What if we used it when we traveled? What if we used it in the case of emergency? This is something to make you go, hmm, where is my Bible? Oh, and one more thing. Unlike our cell phone, we don't have to worry about our Bible being disconnected because Jesus already paid the bill. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? That's great. I love that. I, I, I love that because it's true. What if? What if we treated our Bibles like we treat our cell phone? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be too far from my cell phone either. I'm just keeping it real. I don't want to be too far from my cell phone, my Blackberry, my calendars on that thing. I'm lost without it. And I'm lost without my Bible, too. You know, David said, write thy word upon the tables of thy heart that we sin not against thee. So we want to have the Bible, but we also want to have God's word written on our hearts. So we see, amen. So we see the 12 loaves on the table. When you think of 12, listen, what immediately comes to mind? The 12 tribes of Israel. Very interesting. You have all 12 loaves on this table, by the way, saints, was the same size, which speaks of perfect unity and oneness. Leviticus chapter 24 tells us the bread was to be covered with frankincense, which is a white pasty substance, which speaks of purity. Very interesting, this bread on the table. Well, I think we can cover the lampstand. Look at chapter 25, the golden lampstand. Saints, would you note this? And I'll tell you more about it in just a second. Note it doesn't say the golden candlestick. That is a misnomer. And I'll tell you why. The golden lampstand, beginning in verse 31, if you're looking at it, say amen. And you shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. And six branches shall come out of its side. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, one on one branch with an ornamental knob and flower and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. Notice the detail. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. On the lampstand in verse 34 itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be One hammered piece of pure gold and you shall make seven lamps for it and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it and its wicks trimmers 
and their trays shall be of pure gold, and it shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils, and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Some people refer to the lampstand as a candlestick. Listen, it is not the golden candlestick. It's the golden lampstand. The difference, the candlestick, a candlestick is self-consuming. A lampstand is filled with oil. There are bowls on top of the lampstand that is filled with oil. The lampstand here in our text was made of pure gold. The lampstand consisted of a shaft, and in the middle they had a shaft in the middle, and then coming off the shaft were six branches, three on each side. On the top of the branches were bowls, buds, flowers, almond-shaped bowls, if you will, And in the middle of the lampstand was the shaft, which speaks of the priority, which speaks of the preeminence. So out of either side, are you getting this? Out of either side came three branches, which, if you will, was a lesser light. The lampstand here in the tabernacle is as well a picture of Jesus. The Bible is clear, listen, that Jesus came to give light to man. And to illuminate the way of salvation. You knew that. Jesus is the main shaft, if you will. The branches represent those who abide in Christ. That would be the church. Don't you remember in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide in me and I in you, you bring forth fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Jesus said that John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 tells us that we Christians are as well the light of the world because we are on either side of the Lord. And he said to us to let our light shine so that men may see our good works and glorify the father, which is in heaven. The number of branches notice were six which is the number of man. The shaft or the seventh branch, if you will, makes up the number seven, which is the number of completion or perfection. Now listen, so far, here's another side note. So far, we've seen the mercy seat, the table of showbread, and the lampstand, which is, watch this, a beautiful picture of the Trinity. The triune God, the mercy seat, is a picture of where God the Father is, the mercy seat. The the table of showbread is a picture of God the Son. We just pointed that out. And here we have the menorah, or the lampstand, which is a picture of God the Spirit giving light and giving oil, which is what the Holy Spirit does. He illuminates. He gives light. He gives oil. Isn't it interesting that we see all all through the scriptures? Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. All through the scriptures, you see these little snapshots of the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. You continue through scripture, you see all these little snapshots of the Holy Spirit. Is that interesting just to me? 
I think that's interesting. Now, in Israel today, get this. They have taken the description here out of, listen, they've taken the description here out of Exodus and also out of Leviticus 24. And they've taken these descriptions of the temple and all of the articles in the temple and they put them in a computer. Get this. And they actually have been able to replicate all of the articles in Jerusalem today, in Israel today, even on our trips and previous trips that we have taken, we've gone to the Temple Institute. And there in the Temple Institute, and if you've been with us, you know this, there in the Temple Institute, you can see all of the, um, the articles that um, they used in the temple services. They have them there. They have them replicated, if you will. They have them consecrated, if you will, to a certain point. And I'll tell you what I mean in just a second. They have them consecrated. And in Israel, they are ready seeking to rebuild the temple. And as soon as there is someone who comes on the scene, get the Revelation CDs, someone who comes on the scene who will help them to rebuild the temple on the Temple Mount, bring peace to Jerusalem, it is that someone that they will hail as the Messiah. Even though that someone will be an anti-Christ, but they will hail him to be the Messiah. They are getting ready in Israel today very easy, do your research. They have two schools even now, or two yeshivas, a school, Jewish schools, training young men today with the last name of Cohen to be temple priests. And they are teaching these priests, these, these, these last name, these men with these last name of Cohen, they're teaching them how to sacrifice. They are actually raising the red heifer. The red heifer is very important because they need the red heifer to be able to completely consecrate and purify all of the articles that they have ready for the temple to get back to temple worship. They need the ashes from the red heifer. So they are getting up, gearing up for temple sacrifice in Israel today. 60% of all instruments that are needed to temple worship, according to Old Testament regulations, are currently in place. All they're waiting for is to rebuild the temple. And again, the one whose number is 666 will come along, help them to rebuild the temple, and they will hail him as the Messiah. Very interesting. So they have everything ready. They only have one really big problem. The one really big problem, aside from the Muslims and the Temple Mount, they've got another really big problem, actually. And the really big problem is the menorah. The lampstand that was in the temple was to be made of one solid piece of pure gold. They have Again, taken all this, I'm trying to hurry now. They've taken all of this information that they've learned from the scriptures, put it in a computer, and they know what they need to replicate. So they have to replicate now this really large, it's about, as a matter of fact, I have a picture of the menorah. That picture right there, you will see that. I took that picture 
As a matter of fact, you can see my flash. I'm not that good at it. But, but it's encased in a piece of glass, and that is not a, a solid piece of um, gold, but, but that's kind of a, a replica, if you will. But in Israel today, in the old city of Jerusalem, pardon me, that's in the new city, isn't it? In the new part of Jerusalem. That's in the new. Is that in the new place? It's in the old city. OK, I was right. It's in the old city of Jerusalem. You will see that. And 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 that is made of one solid, according to the scriptures, one solid piece of gold. It was to be hammered out of one solid. That's a really big problem. When they make the lampstand in the Bible, when they made it, something very supernatural happened. So now the Jews are considering, this is the big problem, of how are they going to recreate this menorah out of one solid piece of gold. They are estimating that this menorah is going to cost them $100 million. And by the way, listen, they have the money, and it's just a matter of how to get it accomplished. Isn't that interesting? They're trying to get back to temple worship. So God says they have to make this lampstand. Thank you for that picture. God says that they're going to have to make this lampstand out of one piece of pure gold it's to be hammered and beaten into a beautiful bright light and lampstand listen saints keep in mind the temple is completely covered it's a tent this tabernacle is a tent there is no natural light so the only light in the tabernacle would be the light that is coming from the menorah or the lampstand and when you walk in, can you imagine the beauty? Can you imagine the beauty? Can you imagine walking in and this table of gold and this and, and the bread there and the and the and the menorah and the lights and they had to remain burning. They could never burn out. It was the priest's duty. It was his duty to be sure that the wicks were trimmed and that that flame never went out. And so this menorah shone brightest, if you will, in the darkness. Isn't that interesting? And here again, we see a picture of Jesus. When did Jesus shine brightest? I believe, listen, I'm going to wrap it up here. I believe that Jesus shined brightest in the darkest moment of his life when he hung on the cross. After he was beaten, we just celebrated, if you will, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, after he was beaten and brutalized and bloodied, I believe he shined brightest in the darkness as he hung on that cross. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus shined brightest in the darkness. In other words, listen, when the light of the world was being hammered, then his light shone brightest. And if we are going to shine bright, I leave you with this. If we are going to shine bright, it's going to be necessary for you to go through some hammering. Now, I know there's not a whole lot of teaching on that. Don't you understand in this world you shall have tribulation? But God says, be of good cheer because what? I've overcome the world. 
If we are going to shine bright, which is what we all want, we all want to shine bright for Jesus. We all want to be the light of the world with alongside of with Jesus and reflect his 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 outshining. There's going to have to be some hammering. It's going to have to be some trials. It's going to have to be some some suffering in this life. So don't be surprised when those sufferings and those trials come. When God is working on you, when God is kind of hammering you, and you're going, God, why are you hammering me? God says, because I'm trying to make you bright. And how you go through that hammering will determine how bright the world actually sees Jesus. Let your light so shine that men may see you and glorify Jesus. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.